0: Hi, everyone. This is the International Society of Hypertension podcast. I'm Associate Professor Francine Marques from Monash University, Australia, and my co-host is Dr. Augusto Montesano from the University of Glasgow, Scotland. Welcome back, everybody. It's my pleasure today to introduce you Dr. Rena L. Bikai, who is an Assistant Professor at the Department of Public Health. The University of uh, Balaman, where she has been since 2017. Uh, she holds a PhD in experimental medicine from McGill University in Canada, a uh, master's in uh, science in pharmacology from the University of Montreal in Canada, and a bachelor of science in biology from the Saint Joseph University in Lebanon. Her background is built on a strong foundation of combined academic achievements and firsthand experience in the pharmaceutical industry and health communication agencies. I think that's a really unique combination of skills that you have here. And uh, at the ISH, uh, Dr. Elbikai is a member of the Middle Eastern North African Regional Advisory Group. And I have known uh, Renna now for uh, several years. It's a pleasure to have you here. I think I had the pleasure to work together in a committee many years ago, I think very early on in uh, my career at least. And uh, it's really uh, nice to be able to have a chat now to learn more about uh, where you are and what you have been doing and some thoughts on some uh, really important topics. So thank you so much for joining me
1: today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) It's really been a long time, yeah. Um, the, I remember the first committee we started working at was the uh, Young and the New Investigator Committee. And we first met in Sydney as well for a conference at the age About uh, 10 yeah. years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. indeed.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Rena, we usually start the uh, interview asking you to tell us a little bit about your story and how you ended up in hypertension.
1: Yeah, well, it's a um, yeah. It, it it goes back to to very long. Um, so as 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 you just said, so I started in Lebanon um, as uh, doing a bachelor's in biology, and then moved to Canada for a master's in pharmacology. Um, while transitioning from my master's to my PhD, this is where I got to know the world of hypertension and cardiovascular diseases. So basically um, I started working in the summer of the um, at the end of my master's thesis uh, in a cohort, in a clinical cohort, Carthagène in Quebec. It's a uh, cohort for uh, to study the popul- the health population, and this is where I met my thesis supervisor, Dr. Pavel Hamet, and I got to know the world of hypertension, and I was very interested in, in in learning more about this and joining his lab. So this is how I got to got introduced to to hypertension world, and. Um, I joined his lab, and it was very interesting because he uh, he was doing a lot of research uh, on different aspects of um, in different fields of science, basically. So he did he worked on animal models, genetically modified, you know, the SHR, etc. And then he worked in parallel as well on the uh, human cohorts, the um, cartagen So it was the mix of both worlds that was really a driver to continue to persevere throughout this thesis, and uh, basically this is how I got to know the word of hypertension and it's thanks to him as well that I got to know the ish where um, we had to apply for a conference um, back in 2011 I guess or 2012 I don't remember and this is uh, where um, I traveled to Sydney there the conference was there and I got to meet the team so the new investigatory committee the people there and this is how I got uh, hooked and I've been there ever since. And uh, yeah, this is how it started. The,
0: before that, um, what made you go from Lebanon to Canada?
1: The current situation. So, what we are living now in Lebanon or in the Middle East is has been going on for for years. It's not something new. So, back in twenty. Uh, in 2006, there was a war here in, in the country. So, to, uh, in 2008 was the only gateway for me to leave. So, I had to immigrate to Canada. So, I immigrated, and this is how I uh, moved. Um, I came back, you know, for the love of the country, for the love of change, doing something new. But unfortunately, things are still the same. We're still facing different issues, different types. It's not war per se, but it's. Um, it's, an, it's a different uh, type of you know, obstacles and barriers every day that we're facing here.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Um, um, that's, I think that's really important that we appreciate the differences in all the places uh, that we have, our uh, members, in the ISH, and uh, in the difficulties that we face uh, across the world yeah. as well. Thank you. And uh, as you mentioned, we've met uh, first time in the uh, ISH New Investigator Committee uh, and you have been contributing to several committees from the ISH since. I was wondering if you can comment if uh, contributing to these committees have um, helped you in any way in your career. It
1: it was it was a shaper. I have to say it shaped a lot of my career and it shaped a lot of my decision making throughout. It's, um, you know, um, the fact that you meet people within the same field as you, it's encouraging, it's motivating. And to meet people within that same um, age group as you as well, this helps a lot. Because if I was at the ISH back then and didn't see or meet the new investigator committee or the new investigators, basically that um, age group, I probably wouldn't be as encouraged as I was. It, it really helped to see people like me move forward and um, work in the same field. Um, and this is exactly, I got hooked back then and this I, I, I wanted to progress more within the ISH and set on different committees. So now I am at the MENA uh, region. Uh, advisory group as well so it's it's very helpful you get to know people well and currently it's it's helping me meet people from around the region who have who share similar difficulties or similar backgrounds and similar um um, how can i say um, obstacles to do some of our research because this country is not necessarily or this region is not very um developed in terms of research it's very hard to do research here it's not research oriented we don't have that in our culture it's not built in the culture it's really we're trying to initiate this and it's it's hard Um, so being there and seeing those people it's really nice to share ideas motivate ourselves and, you know, we can do joint uh, research uh, projects together, uh, share funds or, you know, help each other more. And this is really helpful.
0: I think this is uh, so important to have that community that is uh, like-minded exactly. and, uh, and particularly within the regions that people that are facing similar difficulties that you can uh, talk about and you can come up with new solutions
1: yeah yeah it's really helpful
0: and uh, uh, a big focus of our podcast is about mentoring so um, my first question to you about mentoring is if you can define your mentorship experience in one word
1: well it's not the best word that I will use but my mentorship experience was not that good I um I guess I (laughs) yeah I'll stop at that (laughs) Okay, Um, but do you think mentoring is important? It's very important. And it's very important to know when to get the mentorship or when to get help. I started, uh, my mentoring was very early on. I was still a PhD student and I didn't know how to benefit from that, from that experience. I didn't know how to um, go about this mentorship scheme. Um, and I think it's very important, uh, especially at the start of the career, You know, when you're starting. And I noticed that I needed a mentor um, at the beginning of my career, now, like being appointed at the university, it's it's um, it was um, it's very important. It's nice to have someone to ping pong your ideas with, to share um, experiences, and to have the, this advice. You know when to do when to the, do the big jump, or when to apply to that grant, or if this is too much at this moment, or if you need to take it slow at the beginning and then you know increase your size, the size of the team, etc. So um, it's, it's very important in, in one's career, especially in research. I, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And what is your
0: mentoring style? And can you give us any examples of ways that you have now helped your mentees?
1: It's a very, uh, I I like that question because I was trying, I was thinking about it. How do, what's my mentoring style? I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. And then at the end of my thinking, I'm like, okay, it's probably freestyle. (laughs) <laughs> there's no style in per se it just that uh, my students know or my team knows that you know the door is open whenever they want to come and discuss things it's I'm there I'm, I'm gonna help uh, with the best of my abilities I might not know everything that they want to know or they they ask for but you know together we can do so much so um, they can they can come in at any point it's really freestyle yeah they they come in they ask <laughs> I can help it's good
0: that's not not them yeah
1: and what traits do you think a good mentee has i've encountered a lot of different types of mentees and one of the striking types are the or the most interesting types are the people who are very curious who are very eager to learn and they come into the lab and they don't feel it's a chore They don't feel that they are obliged to do this. You know, they come in by choice. And this is very uh, motivating for me as well. It's motivating for them, for me and the team, because they come in and they do it out of passion. It's not out of, you know, they have to do this to get their degree. They're just doing it to know more, to learn more. And this is a, um, it's a virtue in this kind of students or mentees. And I encourage, well, it's very encouraging, basically, to have this kind of perseverance, motivation that they have to, to continue their uh, to do their research. Oh, no, absolutely. And, uh, I couldn't agree
0: more that uh, we as supervisors, we can tell a big difference between the students that are there because they want to be there and those that are there just to tick a box.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and they will do much more and they will um, give you ideas, basically, as well. You know, you'll get ideas for new projects and you can push forward more and um, yeah, they can become collaborators as well. I have Absolutely. a student who's, who's, who's now became my collaborator. He oh, was a beautiful. student
0: and now, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's nice. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. It's, uh, uh, it's so nice to see that uh, friendship and collaboration that goes beyond just the supervision um, with time as well. So yeah, that's lovely. And um, sometimes it's really hard for our students and our postdocs once they finish a, a degree to move on and find a, uh, another place. Do you have any advice for them on how they can identify a good training environment? Um,
1: yes and no. I'm not um, well. Uh, a good training a good training environment has to be a um, in my opinion, a good established lab. You know, it's a, a lab that already has projects that are running. They have maybe some sort of funds where they don't have to struggle to start to, to have this first step. In, the, in that domain, and then they can work together with the professor or with the head lab to, to move things forward. Um, it's, um, it, it, should, it needs to be an environment where it's um, safe for the student or for the um, postdoc or their new researcher to express his ideas, to um, be able to um, uh, work on his um Um, how can I say it, Um, you know, to pursue his ideas, to push things forward more, to have that ability to do so. And it's not something that is rigid and it's fixed because for for a lab to grow, you need to have more people and more ideas, new, fresh ideas. So whenever someone joins, they probably have their own uh, baggage. They have their own ideas and it's really, um, it helps in the flourishing of the lab. So having that kind of, um, I put it in between brackets, freedom in the lab to express and to be able to, to, to do things is it's, it's really important. This, this is a, um, it, it's a key for a good training environment.
0: Absolutely, and, and allowing them to discover uh, and move to the direction of the science and not necessarily with the hypothesis that we started in the beginning.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's really
0: crucial. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, Lovely. Um, and how, uh, and that's something that I always ask people because that's something that uh, I face a lot is um, I find a lot of people very intimidating. And particularly when we go to conferences like the ISH that we're uh, seeing people face to face and we want to go and say hi to someone. Uh, I find that really difficult to do. So I was wondering if you can uh, give any advice to our listeners on how they can overcome talking to someone that they find intimidating.
1: Yeah, there is one book that I read once and it was really an enlightenment. So, um, and it helped me see this from a different perspective. I am intimidated. I used to be intimidated as well, similar to you. I guess it's the case of every, you know, new new, new researcher or a new student going to meet Professors who are very well established in their career, and you're like, ah, how, how am I, how am I gonna go, um, and say hi or talk to them, etc. So um, the thing that that helped me most is to think about the person in front of me as a human. You know, they are humans. They have families. They have their happy moments, sad moments. They get angry. They get sad, and all those similar to me. So we've basically shared similar human experiences. Just saying that this is a human then it, it, it kind of soothes things down. You know, just talking to him, okay, he's another human being that I'm talking to. It's not the title or the um, whatever, um, the career that I'm talking to, it's the human that I'm talking to. And they could be funny at the end of the day, you know, talking to them just normally, you, you discover that, you know, it, it's it was not worth being intimidated or anxious to talk to them. It's uh, It could be very friendly. I agree. That's a
0: great suggestion. Thank you. And moving on, uh, another topic that we uh, always like talking about is diversity and inclusion. And I know that uh, we still face a lot of uh, issues. We're recording today on uh, International Women's Day. So uh, it is a pretty important, pretty important uh, day to be talking about this. So I was wondering if you can comment on what do you think that the biggest barrier around diversity and inclusion is and how we can change that?
1: Happy Women's Day, sister. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, gender, gender difference is still one of the major differences that I uh, at least I face in, my, in, in this part of the world, in this area. It, um, women are not encouraged as much to do so much as in the Western world. And I got lucky to start off my you know studies and career, my early career in, in Canada where where women are more equal to men, where you have similar chances and opportunities to do things, to achieve things. Whereas here in this region, things are more tight. It's more, you know, um, squared and you cannot go beyond certain barriers or certain limits. And this is um, very, um, how can I say, um, it does not help. It does not help a, a, a woman researcher grow. There is, um, it's always men who go first and then women. I, I think and I feel that gender barrier is one of the most um, you know the biggest uh, barrier gender difference is the biggest barrier in, in, in this in this area. Um, even with funding agencies you know you you there is a grant you apply for grants they see that it's a team of women it's not that um, you know uh, males go first. Somehow, uh, it's not necessarily in all the all the all the funding agencies or all the fields, but you feel that there is this difference, and especially that here um, in this part of the world, women take more uh, responsibility of families, etc. So you have lesser time to do research. So then you it falls back. You don't advance as much as you want as and as much as you can uh, compared to, um, to to men um the other thing as well that um can can be a barrier is finding the good collaborators again so when you, um, i'll give you just the example of the committee that i sit in for example uh, i discovered like it's it, i noticed that i'm the only woman in that advisory group in the MENA region and um i um, at, the, at the first at the first sight of it it was intimidating i'm like oh wow it's, Wow, uh, but then it's uh, great, cool. We need to have more people there. We need to have more women there. So if I can make it, other women can make it as well. But it's uh, just to give you a glimpse of how things are here. It's, uh, it's really gender-based. And even in, in conferences, if you go to the conferences that we make, the scientific meetings, um, we see, nowadays we're seeing a little bit more women in those conferences. But it's still not as much as you would see in, in the uh, Western world in the scientific meetings.
0: I can only imagine, like, if here we already face a lot of, like, in the countries such as Australia, we already face so many uh, issues with uh, gender barriers. Uh, I can only imagine uh, the uh, barriers you would face there. And uh, yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know how how you, you get the strength uh, to keep going and to try to push for changes when it is so hard.
1: You have to, you know, it's, um, you have to, if you want to do this, you'll just persevere. You'll you'll do whatever it takes to to get to what you want. And this is what I, um, this is what I've been doing. I have to, I'll do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so, well done. well done. I really That's admire fun. that.
0: Well done. Thanks.
1: Yeah.
0: And do you have any advice for women in research?
1: Yeah. um, Try, um, how can I say? Try to make a balance between career and whatever other um, commitments that you have, family or whatever. But um, do what you want to do in terms of your career. And don't be... um, Uh, Don't be limited or don't say that, well, I can't because I live here or I can't because culturally I cannot. We can. We have the mental ability to do this. We have the capacities. We have the proper education to do this. So we might as well, you know, fight for, you know, moving forward, sit on, you know, committees, do things. And um, I would just say persevere. It's uh, perseverance. Just do it and uh, we'll find a way. We'll get there. At some point, it might take longer, but we will get there.
0: Renna, my last question for you is about the impact of COVID um, and uh, in research, particularly regarding our uh, junior researchers. uh, I find like with people that I usually talk to, including like my team, but people all over the world, that there has been a huge impact in terms of uh, access to uh, infrastructure, Access to patients, access to to the lab or samples or uh, even reagents uh, and funding. Um, I was wondering if you have any ideas of what we can do better to support our community, particularly our junior researchers in the years to come, to try to help them with the impact that they're facing now. Um.
1: Um. So- what some of the things that could be done? I think you've already started doing a lot, and but there's there is a lot that can still be be done. Uh, one of the things that I really admired, that I really liked, was um, the uh, networking session that was done online, basically after uh, the women, uh, the women's uh, the women committee in hypertension uh so they uh, we've done that networking session after the ish and it was or during the ish event I, i cannot remember properly um and it was very very enlightening very helpful because you get to meet those people if things you know if you connected if you clicked with some or you heard someone who is interesting you could contact them and they seem to be very casual very friendly and um, you know it's uh, it was not intimidating at all (laughs) so um yeah if we can do some more of that that would be lovely to 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 get in touch with people because we are all um you know behind our screens and we're doing remote work rarely go to labs and if you 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 only go whenever there is you know Permission to go to etc. So um, to meet people is very hard nowadays. Like face to face meeting people, it's very hard. So to do that through Zoom and or remotely is is already a step forward. And um, if we can get to have trainings about how to or when to apply for fundings, or how to have that you know um, um, how can I smart way of writing things to get proper funding. Maybe um, I don't know how um, this is just an idea. It maybe could be uh, encouraging as well, you know, because um, for example, I'll give an example. I was trying to apply for the um a Welcome Trust Foundation. And then um, I realized that I have to have a certain style in writing or a certain the idea needed to be oriented in a certain way that I didn't know before. And it was well, I only applied for local grants or for grants in the region, right? So to apply for bigger funds, to have this opening, you know, to apply for bigger ones, it needs more um, tactic or more strategy to do this. So um, maybe, and I didn't have the, I don't have the opportunity to work with big labs who already have this kind of grants to learn from them. So it could be maybe um, an idea to uh, maybe have some some things of something of the sort. No, some some good, both very
0: good ideas. And I'll pass on the feedback as well that the session was uh, appreciated and hopefully we can have more of those. Thanks, yeah. No, thank you so much, Renate. It has been a great pleasure to be able to catch up and to have a chat about um, some of your views and uh, I, I really appreciate your sharing. I think this is so important that we highlight the differences between regions and specific, uh, specifically some of the difficulties that some of our regions uh, face and ways that we can help to break down barriers. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me and I hope um, I benefited some of the uh, audience.
0: Thank you for listening to our interview. If you'd like more tips on mentoring, subscribe to our podcast for more interviews with senior and emerging leaders. Stay safe, open-minded and kind.